You're now listening to the Stouffville Pentecostal Church Audio Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Our message today was preached by our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff Laird. Have a listen. Have you ever, have you ever messed up so bad? And instead of receiving the judgment and the condemnation that you were expecting to get, you were given forgiveness instead? You were given a second chance. That's what happened on the resurrection day to Peter, the apostle Peter. He got a second chance. He made a horrible mistake. He did something that he was ashamed of. He did something that he was humiliated about. And instead of receiving the judgment and the condemnation that he was putting on himself, the Lord removed it all from him. Here's the story. If you could put it up for me. Mark chapter 16, verse 1 says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, They were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. I thought I had one more. That's okay. Peter had done something really, really awful, and we'll get to it in just a second. This portion in Mark always interests me a little bit. It's kind of one of the shorter segments of the story, Matthew and uh, Mark and Luke and, and John, they all have their own take on this and they provide different details. But one of the things that I always smile about is these ladies go out on Saturday night after the Sabbath. The Sabbath ends, Jewish Sabbath would end at sundown. So they went out and they, and they buy all these spices because they want to go uh, the next morning and anoint the body of Jesus. They, it was a customary thing and uh, something that you would do, uh, especially to somebody that you loved, and they wanted to do it. And they, so they buy all these spices, and they go, uh, they go to the shop, and, and then they get up, they say, early in the morning. So it's early Sunday morning, and they're on their way, and then it hits them. Hey, who's going to move the stone? Like, I, I always just laugh because I go, you never thought of that before? So a couple of ladies, and you're going to walk, and there's a stone the size of a car, and you didn't think about how that was going to be moved, but it worked out quite fine for them, but it always makes me smile. In verse 7, the angel said to the woman, which is, uh, you don't have verse 7 there, do you? But I'll, I'll say it. This is what verse 7 says. It says, the angel said to the woman, tell the disciples, and Peter to go to Galilee, and Jesus will meet them there. 
It, it's so interesting, and that little and Peter, or including Peter, depending on the version that you read, and it's always intrigued me, why does the angel say to the ladies, tell the disciples, and Peter? It's interesting. There he goes. Go tell his disciples, and Peter, that he's going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you'll see him just as he told you. Thank you. Thank you for putting that up. So I'm sure, I am sure that Jesus himself told the angel to add those specific words. He said, when you go and the ladies come, here's the message I wanted to deliver, and I want you to include and Peter, just to make sure that Peter knows. So Peter had failed, if you don't know the story, Peter had failed miserably. He, he had, in Jesus' greatest hour of need, Peter denied even knowing who Jesus was. Three times he denies him. He, he gets aggressive about it. He completely denies that he even knows who Jesus is. Now, all the disciples had failed. All they, they had all run away. They, they all couldn't stand. They were, they were sort of afraid, and they run away. But Peter seems to have failed the worst. And even Jesus seems to acknowledge that. Tell the disciples and Peter. And, uh, and I'm sure Peter was feeling the same way. So the risen Savior, here it is now, but the risen Savior offers hope to everyone, no matter how badly we have failed. His resurrection has changed everything, that all our regrets, all our mistakes, all the sin, uh, it's all been dealt with, all the nasty things in our lives, and he's giving us a chance to start over. He's giving us another chance. The gospel of Christ, the good news of the gospel is about, about the Lord offering people another chance. Our sin had separated us from God, and we needed supernatural intervention to find our way back. We couldn't have a relationship with him if it wasn't for Jesus and the cross and his death and his resurrection. So Jesus comes into the world it says, God so loved the world that he sent his son. And then the next verse says, he came into the world not to condemn us, but to save us. That's what he says. That was his mission. You know, there's so many people in the Bible that got to redo. Seriously. So many. Like the list is so long. It could be a year-long sermon series, I'm telling you. So many people got to redo. Peter wasn't the only one. Jonah he says, go to Nineveh. He takes off the wrong way. Okay, you know the story. He goes, second time, now go to Nineveh. Gives him another chance. Samson, he gives him another chance. David, he gives him another chance. Paul, the apostle Paul, he gives him another chance. Even Zacchaeus, the, 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 the cheating tax collector, is given another chance. And the list goes on and on and on. So I was looking at Peter's life in this passage in Mark chapter 16. And I was thinking about how Jesus changes failure into hope. And that's what I want to uh, just share with you briefly tonight. So first is he sees our failures. So since Adam and Eve uh, first sinned back in the garden and the Lord shows up and the first thing they did after, you know, was they hid, right? And it seems like all, all of us, ever since Adam and Eve first sinned, all we want to do is to try and hide our failures from God. It's, it's impossible to do. In fact, it's almost irrational for us to try 
but yet we still try to do it on a regular basis. Jesus knew about Peter's failure before it happened. He, he, he noted it when it happened, and he talked about it even after it happened. Look at this. This is before it happened, Mark 14, verse 29. It says, Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, today, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. Didn't work out so well. Jesus knew it was going to happen before it happened. He noticed his failure when it happened. Look at Luke 22, verse 60. It says, Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. This is the third time that he, he, uh, he denies him. He goes, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word that the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. Imagine what that look meant and how he felt. Jesus acknowledged his failure even after it happened. Even in this passage of Mark, I mean, he, he restores him later with the do you love me, do you love me, do you love me. But even in this Mark passage, he acknowledges his failure after it happened with the words, tell the disciples and Peter to meet me in Galilee. You know why he mentions Peter's name and he wanted it to be included. So the Lord knows, here's the point, the Lord knows our failures. He knows our sin. He doesn't overlook them. And here's the thing, he doesn't actually want us to overlook them either. He wants us to overcome them. He wants us to experience the freedom and the joy of knowing that God has forgiven us. That the first step always to healing and to redemption and to overcoming something, of course, is to confess and to face the problem. And this is what he asks us to do. Jesus is now making intercession on our behalf. We can't hide the bad stuff from him. He wants to transform us into new creations, the Bible says. He wants us to know that he sees our failure and, and, and you don't have to hide from it. That he wants you to know that forgiveness is possible. You don't have to be afraid of your failure. The power of the resurrection offers hope to every single one of us. Tell the disciples and Peter. It implies already that he's been forgiven and that he's going to restore him and that the story of Peter's life is far from over. So he sees our failures. Now, I know that doesn't sound too hopeful, but it, it is in the whole scope of things. You know why? Because the next thing I was thinking about was our failures that he knows about. They still, no matter what we do, no matter what Lila went through and the mistakes she made or the mistakes you've made or the dumb things that I've done, none of the things that we've ever said, done, or reacted to will separate us from his love. That's what the Bible says. See, Peter denying Jesus, it was pretty bad. I mean, I, come on, it was pretty bad. I don't think we should sugarcoat it. The guy 
spends three years with Jesus. He went everywhere with him. He heard every word that he had spoken. He saw the miracles, the lame walking, the blind eyes opening. He was part of the crew who saw Jesus, uh, you know, in his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter saw it all. We're talking about the guy who walked on water. He'd seen Jesus raise people from the dead. And then when Jesus gets falsely arrested on trumped up charges and a slave girl says, hey, you're one of them. No, I'm not. I'm pretty sure you are. No, I'm not. Three times. It was like, what happened to you? You know, and by the way, to make matters worse, think of it from Peter's perspective. He believed that these were the last words that Jesus had heard him speak. Just think about that. Imagine the awful agony mentally of him having to live with the memory of a person that he loved and cherished so much. And the last words he spoke were of denial. It's not a good way to say goodbye. And that's how Peter, I think, was feeling. But the good news, of course, is that God's love is greater than our worst moment. Amen? Jesus didn't say, hey, Peter, you blew it badly. So we're going to work out a system where you can work off your sin over time. And if you try really hard and you get it all together, then maybe, just maybe, I'll forgive you. Maybe I'll take you back. Man, aren't you glad he doesn't say stuff like that? See, Jesus doesn't operate that way. The Bible is so clear that we are loved, deeply loved, cherished, valuable, treasured. He loved us so much that he sent his son to die, that he took your place so that you could be saved. This is how much he loves you. We are saved by grace. Now, grace is a word people use, but sometimes don't fully understand. But grace simply is this. It's undeserved favor. Just think of it in that way. It is absolute undeserved favor. It means that you, you can't do anything to deserve it. It's undeserved. So you can't do anything to deserve it. You can't earn it by doing good deeds. You can't do enough good so that you earn his grace. It's unearnable. It is undeserved favor. It means you can't, you can't do anything to deserve it. You can't do anything to earn it. You can't put extra effort in to get more of it. He just gives it to you. He gives it to us all because he loves us. It is undeserved favor. The only response, the only proper response to the grace of God is to simply receive it. Receive it. See, we've all fallen short, all of us. Is there not one of us that we can look back on our life and hang our head in shame and regret about some of the dumb things we've done, some of the nasty things we've said, some of the things that we are not proud of, as Liza said. There are things in all our lives like that. We have all fallen short, and we all need the grace of God. And it doesn't matter how how you deal with your life. If you, you're a good person, you're not a good person, our good deeds are wonderful, but they can't earn you the grace of God. 
it's given to you as a gift. And the only way to receive a gift is to just open it and say thank you, right? Someone can give you a gift, and you know when someone gives you like a really bad Christmas gift? And you know it's bad, right? And it, you just keep it under your tree. You're not too excited about opening it. But sometimes you get surprised and you open up a gift and you go, wow, in your mind, of course, because you can't say, you know, I thought this was going to be lousy, but it's actually pretty awesome. You know, there's a gift of grace that's offered to the world. There's a gift of grace that's offered to you personally, but you've got to open it. You've got to believe it and receive it. We all fall short and we all need it. And the moment you sincerely turn to God and you ask him to forgive you, you receive it. The Bible says all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So our worst mistake, our worst moment, it doesn't separate us from the love of God. Look at these verses, very powerful verses in Romans chapter 8. It says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's pretty good news. See, grace is such a humbling thing when you think about it, because, you know, the only way you can receive it is by recognizing that you don't deserve it. And uh, that's the key to actually getting it. Can you imagine, just imagine, how Peter was feeling about himself? I mean, he was embarrassed, I'm sure. He was ashamed. He was humiliated. He, he was so disappointed with himself. He was absolutely and totally crushed. Sometimes it's harder to forgive yourself, isn't it? than it is for God to forgive you. Sometimes God's forgiven you a long time ago, and we're still walking around feeling the pain and the agony because we really haven't received the full measure of grace. He's let it go. It's time that you let it go. No matter what we've done, even at our worst moment, we can never be separated from the love of God. His grace is still with us. He is still for us. And that's really good news today. God's love operates on the basis of grace. You don't deserve it, but he gives it to you anyway. And this, this is so hopeful because it means that there's hope for every person. It doesn't matter how dark, how deep our sin is. It doesn't matter uh, our, our failures and our faults. There's nothing that can separate us from the resurrected Savior. So if you believe it, you receive it. So our failures can't be hidden. No, they cannot be hidden, but they cannot separate us from the love of God. Lastly, this, our failures also do not disqualify us from making an impact and from moving forward. And I think sometimes we think they do, but it's not true in the kingdom of God. You see, a system that would be based on merit, just merit alone, okay? Uh, like if Peter was in the military, he would have been removed as a disciple for making such a horrible mistake. Or he would have been demoted to the lowest possible rank 
after messing up so bad. And let's admit it, I mean, he did blow it big time, that's true. But the beautiful thing is that God takes those who fail badly and he turns them around, even like Lila said, and makes something out of your failure. He makes something out of your life. He makes something, something wonderful out of something that was not so wonderful. He can do that. You know, think about it was Peter, the guy who denies Christ, the disciple who made the worst mistake at the worst possible time. And it's Peter who preaches on the day of Pentecost. It's Peter who's anointed by the Holy Spirit, stands up and proclaims one of the most powerful messages that the world has ever seen, and 3,000 people get saved, and the church of Jesus is started. It's Peter who was used to do that. The guy that was the biggest mess up. Peter's failure was not wasted. And I'm sure he was humbled. And failure does that to you. And God chooses to use. I think sometimes we fail because it's just appropriate. We've got too much pride. I'm leaning too much on myself, too much on my talent, too much on my, my own wisdom. And it's time that I'm knocked down a peg. And then when I'm knocked down a peg and I lean more on the Lord and I'm trusting him and ask him for more help, all of a sudden, I'm more effective, I'm more powerful, I, I, everything gets better, right? When we're weak, we are, come on, strong. This is how it seems to work in the kingdom of God. Peter's failure was not wasted. It made him better. I'm sure that he was humbled. I'm sure that he was more determined after that day than ever to serve God and to move past his worst day. He was ready to move on. Peter was guilty of denying Jesus. But later, check this out. I don't know if you've ever put these two together. But the, but the guy that denied Jesus three times, later when he was writing his own letter, said these words in 1 Peter chapter 3. He said this, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do it with gentleness and respect. And I always think about that verse. He denied Christ. And then he, you know, his whole life is changed. He stands up and he says this. I am never going to do that again. And then he writes these words. Ooh, that's amazing. It's awesome. You hear that? Yeah. He, he never wanted to do it again. And he goes, listen. Always be ready. Always be prepared. When someone comes at you and talks to you about faith or God or questions you about anything, be ready. Get ready. Be prepared for the answer. He got caught one time, and he was not going to get caught again. And I always think that's really neat. He was ready and wanted to be ready to explain and stand up for Jesus uh, with any opportunity that came his way. And after being restored uh, fully, in John chapter 21, he's filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and Peter becomes a man on a mission. He becomes unstoppable. He was a force to be reckoned with. He was a powerful, anointed man of God. When he was threatened with prison, he didn't care. When he was threatened with death, he didn't stop. 
he, he never backed down again. After that day that he denied Christ and he was restored, Jesus forgave him and he, and he forgave himself. He became a man who was on a mission who could not be stopped. He was used so powerfully to bring salvation to so many, to bring healing. It was Peter that walked down the street and his shadow was healing people. It was Peter who said to the, blind, to the, to the lame man, time for you to rise up. I don't have right silver and gold, but what I have is the power of Jesus. Rise up and be healed. This is the guy, the same guy, who denied even knowing Jesus three times. You, you can get, let me put it this way. You can get past your past. You can get past your past. That's a good one. Someone should write that down. I've got to remember that one. It, it doesn't have to cripple you. It doesn't have to paralyze you. It doesn't have to defeat you. It can open new doors of opportunity and give you greater depth, greater insight, greater compassion. Peter was a changed man after he went through a horrible failure. Peter was used actually in a greater way after he failed than he ever was before. The same can be true for us. Here's the lesson. When God restores us, when God strengthens you, you can be a powerful witness for those who remember how you used to be. When Lila meets somebody who knows who she was and what she was like, and she walks down Barton Street, and she can say, yeah, but look at my life now. Look at what's happened to me, and look at what Jesus has done. See, a changed life cannot be denied. You, you might not like it. You might not agree with everything she says or does or whatever, but there's one thing that you can't ever deny. She is changed. She is changed. It's a powerful, powerful thing. Um, look at these verses, and then we've got to wrap up here. Ephesians chapter 1. And his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. And also Romans 8, 11 that kind of goes with that. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. So can that be you? The answer is yes. Oh, your journey is going to be different than Peter's. It's 2,000 years later. There's different circumstances, different things. Different, different opportunities and challenges. But here's the thing. You can get past your past. And when God restores you and strengthens you and fills you with his spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. And so you can become the person that you maybe never, ever thought you could be. Your life seems to change and get better the more you lean into the risen Savior. He offers us eternal life and forgiveness of sins, and it doesn't matter how bad we failed. Our failures 
never disqualify us. They actually set us up to be used in a greater way. He won't waste your pain. He won't waste your failure. Lay it all at the cross and let the spirit of God do something wonderful in you and through you. It qualifies you and sets you up to be used in a greater way. It did that exact thing for Peter, and it can do the same for us. I gotta, with this, and then I got to wrap up. There was a story, um, and maybe some of you have heard it. Uh, I looked it up again. In fact, you can even find clips of this on YouTube. Um, it's from 1929, and there was a guy, he was, he was a football player who played for the University of California, and they were in the Rose Bowl, and if you don't know, that's a big deal. It's, a, it's like, you know, the Super Bowl uh, kind of a game for them. And his name was Roy Regals. And people, he's, he, sometimes people call him Wrong Way Roy. And uh, this, is what, this is what happened. Let me read you the story. On New Year's Day, 1929, Georgia Tech was uh, playing the University of California in the Rose Bowl in that now infamous game. Roy Regals recovered a fumble for California and somehow he got confused and he ran 65 yards in the wrong direction. One of his teammates went after him and tackled him just before he scored a touchdown for the wrong team. When California then attempted to punt, Georgia Tech blocked the kick and scored a safety and it ended up being the actual margin for victory of the game. See, this strange play, here's the thing though that people don't get about the story. The strange play, it, it actually came in the first half of the football game. And everybody who was watching was, was, was wondering, what is Coach Price going to do with Roy Regals when the team comes out for the second half? And so the, the half ends and the men file off the field. They go into the locker room. They sat down on the benches. And uh, Regal sits on the bench and he put a blanket around his shoulders. He sat in the corner. He put his face in his hands, and the, 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 the description is, is he cried like a baby. Now, usually the coach has a lot to say, and they're prepping for what they're going to change and do better in the second half, but that day, Coach Price didn't say a word, and no doubt, he was probably trying to decide what to do with Regals, but then the timekeeper came in and said, three minutes, three minutes, coach, and so Coach Price looked at the team, and he simply said this. Men, the same team that played the first half is going to go out and play the second half. So everybody got up and started out, except for Regals. He didn't budge. The coach looked at him, and he called to him again, and he didn't move. And so the coach went over to him, and he said, Roy, didn't you hear what I said? The same team that played the first half is going to play the second half. And Regal, his face wet with tears, he looked up and he said, Coach, Coach, I, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I've ruined you. I've ruined the university. I've ruined myself. I, I can't face the crowd. I can't face going out there again. And it says that Coach Price sat down. He put his arm around Regals, and he said to him, Roy, get up and go back out, for the game's only half over. It says Regals went out. And played the second half of his life. They said that back the men from Georgia Tech said that they'd never seen a man so 
uh, play so intensely and so well as Roy Regals did in the second half of that game. I was thinking your failure may not, our failure may not be the same as Roy Regals, but we're all sinners in need of a savior. And when Roy received this grace after his mistake, he went out and he played the second half of his life. And it got me thinking, when we get our second chance, when we open the box and receive the gift of grace that Jesus offers to us, it should be a motivating factor for us to go out and make a difference, to be better, and to use the, the, the new chance that we've been given. Go tell the disciples and Peter. It says to us that the game is not over. It wasn't over for Peter. He and, and it's not over for us. He knows about our failure, but he still loves us. He still wants to use us in a greater way despite the mistakes that we've made. And the question is, will we accept the grace that is offered? Will we go out with the chance that we've been given and make a difference with the life that we have left? We have a second half to go. He died so that we could be free. His grace has has given us something that we could never receive on our own. He, we are forgiven. We are empowered. And Peter got his, his other chance. And we have been given another chance as well. A relationship with God is available if we would simply believe and receive. This is the story of Easter. Jesus went to the cross, paid the price that we could never pay and then rose again on the third day and offers life, forgiveness, healing, and a second chance to anyone who's made a mistake in life and needs a break. I don't know about you, but I'll take all the second chances I can get. He's a good God, and no matter what I do and no matter what I've done, I, I will never be separated from his love. He is for me. He cheers me on and wants to do something good in me and through me. And whatever time I have left, whatever mistakes I've done, Roy Regals had to put the first half behind him. Let's put that half behind us like Peter did and go out and make a difference for the kingdom. Amen. You have been listening to the Stovall Pentecostal Church audio podcast. For more information about Stovall Pentecostal Church, including events, ministries, and service time, please visit our website at www.spcfamily.ca. You can subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast store, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts.